Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. David was a healthy, robust man, a man of war, a man who knew what it was like to fight in battles. But when he hid his sin, it ate right through his spirit into his body. Sin affects people physically. Simply speaking, just look at a person who's lived a debauched life. It takes a physical toll. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Pastor Ed continues our series in the Psalms by explaining Psalm 32 today. David wrote Psalm 32 after he committed the sin of adultery. David writes that when he had hid his sin, his once strong body grew weak from spiritual torment. Pastor Ed teaches us that we too will suffer physically when we live sinful lives. However, when we confess our sins and repent, the Lord is faithful to forgive us and restore us. How wonderful it is when God lifts the burden of sin from our shoulders. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message from Psalm 32. Building in faith. He uses the word iniquity. Iniquity speaks about being twisted on the inside. Being crooked. Corrupted. God meant David for walk to walk the straight and narrow way. But David, because of sin, became crooked and twisted. And whenever sin gets into a person's life, it twists their thinking, it clouds their mind, it distorts their reasoning. And that's where David was. He said, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've committed, as it were, treason, iniquity. We know that sin warps us on the inside. This psalm says, Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. He gives a descriptive picture of the sinfulness of sin, but he doesn't leave you there. He shows how God's forgiveness lifts us from that. And so he goes to the nature of forgiveness and he uses three words to describe the nature of forgiveness. It reads, forgiven, simply forgiven. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. That word means to lift up, to lift off. Pilgrim's Progress, a beautiful allegory, paints Christian as journeying from the city of destruction. And he has this great burden on his back. And he's traveling. And finally he comes to the cross. And when he comes to the cross, the burden falls from his shoulders. Sin is like a burden. It weighs us down. It pushes us down. And when we're forgiven, that burden is lifted from our shoulders. It's rolled off of our back. And in Pilgrim's Progress, it's pictured as rolling from Christian's back into an empty tomb. 
all our sins rolled away into that empty tomb. He speaks about forgiveness in another term, in another way. Not only does he speak about just being forgiven, but covered. It goes on to read, whose sin is covered. God covers it from his sight. The judge of all the earth no longer looks at your sins. Others will. But I tell you, there'll be no gossips in heaven. Think about that. God covers our sins. Never to be remembered. Never to be recalled. Never to be recounted. David said, oh God, you've covered my sin. See, when you try and hide your sin, God will expose it. But when you present your sin openly to him, God will cover it. Another word that he uses is, and this is especially, it's not in the NIV, but in the New King James or the Revised Standard and other translations, and whose, whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That's an accountant's term. God doesn't put it on your account. See, all of us are spiritual bankrupts. None of us can earn the favor of God on our own. It's an impossibility. And sin has been, as it were, imputed to us. But now, in Christ, it's no longer imputed to us. It was placed on a cross, on Calvary. And God bore in Jesus our sins. I like the words of the hymn writer. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Paul the Apostle lifts these verses out of the book of Psalms and takes it with him into the New Testament and uses it as a basis of his teaching on justification by faith. In Romans chapter 4, Paul the Apostle, quoting David, said, However, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does never count against him. Isn't that wonderful? David was a sinner. As big as big can be. In fact, in many ways, he was a greater sinner than Saul. Both men said, I've sinned. But when David said, I sinned, he said it in deep repentance. When Saul said it, he just wanted to avoid the consequence of sin. And he said it in the same breath when he said, honor me before the people. Real sin, when we recognize it for what it is, breaks us before God. Uh, this promise of forgiveness can't be grasped, can't be held on to by our own strength. In fact, we will not experience it 
Because unless we learn to confess, we'll bear our own consequences. That's what David tells us. And that's the second point. The consequences of unconfessed sin. He gives us his testimony in verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. When David kept silent, he didn't tell God about it. He didn't tell others about it. He just lived as though it never happened. He thought that with the passing of years, it would be buried in the past. Sin has a life of its own. It'll follow you. It will haunt you. It will run after you. David failed to confess his sin. Look what happened to him. In verses 3 and 4, you see the consequences of unconfessed sin. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David experienced physical suffering. David was a healthy, robust man. A man of war. A man who knew what it was like to fight in battles. But when he hid his sin... It ate right through his spirit into his body. Sin affects people physically. Simply speaking, just look at a person who's lived a debauched life. It takes a physical toll. We say they've lived a hard life. I thank God that he's a restorer. But sin has a way... Of physically affecting us. And to go with sin unconfessed. It affects a person in their body. It affects them physically. That's what he felt like. He felt like his health was deteriorating. His vital energies were decaying. He was like a vine. In the summer heat. Withering away. Without water. Sin will impact us physically. It will impact us not only physically, but emotionally. You know, when David heard the roaring of a lion, it was a challenge for him to go out and defeat that lion. When David heard the roaring of his conscience, he couldn't quiet it. He couldn't silence it. Day and night, and night and day, his conscience bothered him. He, he felt... His emotions being torn apart on the inside. He felt like he was in a spiritual shredder. Being ripped apart. That's what sin will do to you. A clear conscience. Really leads to a healthy life. And wholeness. Someone has said, guilt will deal with you if you do not deal with guilt. Guilt has a tremendous way of sapping a person's energy and life and strength. Now, he, he talks about the consequences, but he also talks about the chastisement. Not only were there consequences because sin carries with it its own punishment. Every sin carries with it its own punishment. But then God is there too. And God chastises sinfulness in his children 
In Psalm 32, 4, it reads, For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped. The joy was gone. How many of you have ever experienced a time of personal rebellion against God? And you have felt the hand of God on you. You have felt his chastisement, his wrath, his anger. David felt that. The joy was sapped out. The peace was drained. He lost that sense of the presence of God. That's what happens when we indulge in sin. That's what happens when we allow sin to go unconfessed in our lives. And when we harbor it and hold on to it and cling to it. And that's where David was in his life. A lot of times people play games with God. Play games with themselves. Just going on living as though God doesn't see and God doesn't know and God doesn't hear. He sees, he knows, and he hears. Some people are so good at justifying their sins and magnifying their circumstances and minimizing their wrong. They have as many excuses as a New York telephone book. Yeah. What we need to do is to confess our sins to God. And that's what David realized. He couldn't hide them anymore. He had to confess them. And so you see the confession of our sins. Third, verse 5 is the key to this whole psalm. It's pivotal. The whole psalm rotates on this verse as it were. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Sin is deceptive. Don't live behind your mask. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. The greatest deception is self-deception. David had to confess his sins to God. Now, I want you to look at the nature of confession. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I confessed my transgressions to the Lord. He went right to God. Now, Nathan was there as Nathan confronted him, but David recognized that he was confessing his sins to God. Has God spoken to you about your sinfulness? About the wrongs in your life? About the areas of disobedience? Sometimes when we come into the very presence of God, there's such an encounter with God that He goes over a catalog of our sins with us. And it brings us low to our knees. And it draws from us a confession of repentance. See, sin is first of all to be confessed to God. Every sin is a sin against God. And to bring our sins and confess to Him means that We'll find forgiveness. We'll find pardon. Don't run and confess your sins to everybody else. I remember as a young person going into a confessional box. And I couldn't think of all the sins I committed, so I made them up. And then I remember 
having to go and do the rosary bead or having to do the Our Fathers, the Actors of Contritions, and the Hail Marys. What does the Bible say here? They confessed their sins to God and God immediately forgave. He didn't have to wait. Didn't do some penance. But went to God and he confessed his sins to God and God forgave. See, we must make confession directed not towards man, but towards God. Now, there is a time when sometimes the burdens are so great, it may help us to talk to a a godly person and confess our sins to them. But be careful in that. Now, something else in this confession that is important. The Bible text teaches that his confession was complete. He didn't try and... Say, well, well, God, here's the murder. No, how about the adultery? How about the lies? How about the hypocrisy? Don't get up from the altar too early. Don't leave the place of prayer too early. Go to that place of prayer and intercession and let God's Spirit deal with your heart. Let Him speak to you. And the things that are wrong, let Him make them right. See, it's not enough to be right with men. We need to be right with God. It's not enough to outwardly observe the Ten Commandments. Though that's good and important. It's important that inwardly in our hearts that we do things right before Him. And so there has to be a time in our lives where we are open with God and we lay out our hearts before God and we stay in that place of prayer before God and we allow God to speak to us and Him to speak to us. Now that confession was with real repentance. He repented. That meant being sorry enough to turn from sin. Being sorry enough to go in a brand new direction. Being sorry enough to say, Lord, I'm not going to repeat the same things with your help. I'm going to change. Now, sometimes that means that you get into an accountability group. Sometimes that means you get into the meditation of God's Word and you begin to fight a battle because it's not always an easy road up to the God, Mount Zion. It's not always an easy road up to God's holy hill. And sometimes you need that help. But listen to God's promise. This is what the psalmist said. He's giving his testimony. Remember, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Who are godly people? People that have been forgiven. People that have been forgiven. People that have been forgiven. That's the difference between the godly and the ungodly. The godly have been forgiven. David, he was a greater sinner in many ways, as I said, than Saul. But the difference was that David was forgiven because in repentance he recognized his need of forgiveness. And the scripture reads, while you may be found, verse 6, surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. Notice the contrast. Before he was hiding from God, now he is hiding in God. Before he was running from God, now he's running to God. Before he was in rebellion, and now he's in submission. See, there's something that happens when real repentance happens in our lives. No longer are we uh, hiding our sin. No longer are we keeping our sin a secret. But we brought it to God, and we are free. Because the truth sets a man free. The truth sets a woman free. Hallelujah. 
Now, I love this verse, verse 8 and 9. I will instruct you. Suddenly, God comes in. Suddenly, God walks into the picture of this psalm, and God begins speaking as David is instructing sinners in the way. And God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Listen, you may fear and say, listen, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to fall back into those sins that I once was delivered from. I don't know if I have the strength to keep on going. God said, listen, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to keep you, David. David, I'm going to watch over you. There's not going to be a repeat of that in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I'll counsel you. And I'll watch over you. I love those verses. I'll counsel you. I'll watch over you. When you're being pulled, David, back to the old ways, I'll send my prophets along to speak a word to you, David. God, my spirit will speak to you, David. God, I'll be with you. God says, I'll be with you. You'll still be a man after my own heart. He promises him And then he says, do not be like the horse or the mule that have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and a bridle, or they will not come to you. What are you saying in this? Suddenly he says, okay, don't be like an animal that doesn't know its master. In the book of Isaiah, God says, the dumb beasts are wiser than my people. They know who their master is. Let God govern you, not sin govern you. Let God reign over you, not the world reign over you. And that's what he's saying. David is saying, God, you're going to govern me. David is saying to God's people, let God govern your life. Let him guide your life and he'll gladden your life. He'll put joy in your heart. See, David had the joy of forgiveness before his conscience was shouting against him. And look at that last verse. What does it say in the land? Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you that are upright in heart. Others translate that. Shout for joy. Ah, there were shouts of condemnation ringing in his ears, but now he's been forgiven, and there's shouts of joy ringing out of his mouth because God changed his sorrow into joy. And every repentant sinner, every person who comes to God openly and confesses their sin to him, every individual who says, Oh God, I want to be washed clean. I want forgiveness. I want reconciliation. If you're sincere with God, you'll find it with God. You'll experience it with God. There's nothing in your past that God can't erase. There's nothing in your past that God won't wash away. Hallelujah. 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 Beloved, we serve an incredible Savior. All he says to us is this. Confess your sin. You don't have to go to Rome and climb up the steps of the Vatican. Okay? You don't have to put all sorts of money in the offering. You don't have to say, okay. I'm going to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I appreciate it if you were, but that's not going to do it. (laughs) It comes simply because God promises us that he'll forgive all of our sins, that he'll wash them away. David said, listen to a testimony of a sinner. David said, I fell into the deepest sin, but God lifted me up out of the miry clay. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for everyone who confesses their sins to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's 14-part series in the Book of Psalms. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and for more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word restores.